Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Loud Librarians, where we talk about, ponder, and discuss in detail all the library things with this first season taking you inside a very mysterious and mystifying world of copyright. I'm your host, Amber. And I'm Hannah. Hey, Hannah. So, in this episode, we'll be chatting about copyright in the classroom. But instead of just Hannah and I rambling about it, like we could usually do, we decided to bring in an expert expert, <laughs> and our very first podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. This is exciting stuff, Amber. Our guest is both the curator of university art and an adjunct faculty member instructing students on art history and museum studies here at Fordham University. She also has a PhD, that means she's a doctor, in classical, ancient, Mediterranean, and Near Eastern studies Mm -hmm. and archaeology. Well, excuse me, Miss Fancy Pants. Super fancy. But aside from the amazing professional accomplishments, our guest is just an all-around fab lady that is obsessed with dogs, my mom, or that woman, the Rolling Stones, and is a lover of all the soups. Welcome, Jennifer Udell, to the pod. <laughs> so, Jen. Hello. Hey, Hannah. Hey, okay. Jen. Hey, Amber. Hello. So excited to have Super. you here. Today. I am so excited to oh, be yes. here. Now, um, let's get... Let's get to it. Let's get to business. Let's get on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do Jen, this We have thing. to ask. We've been dying to know. Serious yeah. question. If right today here. you were a book, what would the title of your book be? It would be called "What Goes On in My Mind: <sighs> Colon Dogs, <laughs> Throwing Stones, <laughs> Food, and Old Things." <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, it's a little it's, long, though. I'd, I'd read I'd, it. I'd, I'd, re- I'd read for that book. It's also, what goes on is also a riff on a uh, Velvet Underground song. Oh. It's not a riff. It's actually the name of the song, what goes <laughs> on. When, anyway, it's a three-chord wonder. What Anyhow, goes on and yeah, you should, reads mine. You should pull that up someday and listen to it. You would love it, Amber. Oh, I will? Yeah, yeah. We will definitely nice. listen to it independently, but okay. not on here. Okay. Yeah, copyright. Copyright, 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 copyright. 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 <laughs> I think that sounds like a great book. Yeah. Um, I I guess you know if if I were um, if I were a book today, the book title would be. But first, coffee, and it would be an, <laughs> engraved on a wooden plank, um, and the sequel would be uh, something about you know uh, more coffee or something. Uh, yeah, that uh-huh. makes sense for a sequel. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. My title will be Yikes. Mm. Because, I mean. Yikes. Yikes. Right? Would you include an exclamation point? No. I no. Don't think you should. Period. Yeah. Yikes, period. I love period. a period in the title. Yeah. That's good. And the semicolon. Oh, Especially because with yikes, you expect an exclamation Absolutely. point. Absolutely. So it becomes like, you What's know, this about? very amber. It's so amber. <laughs> it's 1,000% amber. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'd read it. We have a winner. Yeah. We have a winner. Mm-hmm. So, Jen, yeah. you are the curator of university art. 
How did you get into this position? What initially piqued your interest about this topic and field? Goodness. That's a very long question. (laughs) (laughs) So what part do you want me to answer first? How long I... How long I've been in the job, perhaps? Start that. Yes, yeah, sure. A long time. Yeah. I started in 2007, which is a long time. Oh, and, <laughs> and I was working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art at the nice. time. I was still working on my dissertation um, at the time. And then a job was posted for wasn't so much a job as it was listed as a postdoctoral position that had to do with taking this mysterious collect new gift of antiquities that had been given to Fordham and creating a museum out of this collection, publishing it, teaching off of it. Um, so, you know, it seemed like a good fit for me. So that's how... I learned about the job. Actually, a curator at Fort at Fort. I'm sorry, at the Met, handed me the job listing and said, "This might be interesting to you." So, I filled out an application in September of 2006. Heard not a peep until May of 2007. Oh no! Very typical for academia. Yeah. Mm. Uh huh. And then um, I interviewed with the then university librarian at the time. And uh, was hired, and there you go. So that's how I arrived at Fordham, and in terms of how I got interested in old broken things, as my good friend Greg Waldrop calls them. Um, who doesn't love old broken things, right? I'm an old broken thing. Oh, no, that's as long the as it's silliest not my thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my soul. My soul. <laughs> Yes. We're very Stop dragging my heart around. I'm going to try to incorporate rock and roll lyrics oh my into God, everything amazing. I say. No, Do I'm it. Not. no, I'm not. That'll be really boring and annoying. <laughs> so, anyway, yes. I, 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 think I just have to say that I am not an expert in ancient Near Eastern art. So, I just wanted to amend my list of okay, expertise. Um I am a PhD in classical art and archaeology with focus on Greek and Roman art, and my dissertation was written in the rip-snorting field of Greek vase painting, which I love, um, and a lot of people find boring. But there it is. But then they take my class, and then they realize it's not boring anymore. I I I. I don't find that boring, and I think it would, I, if I was in your class, it would only be more exciting. It would be if um, you were in my so, class and Amber in my class. It would be I'd be re, that would be amazing. I would actually show up. That Amber <laughs> might be a good student. I, yeah. I I I tend to be the annoying argumentative one in the back. Of the I class. love argumentative. <laughs> oh, okay, that's usually my style. I which love is, argumentative. Um, I guess not something you have to worry about then, since we just. Somewhat all work together, but That's right. anyways, if I so speaking of your like classroom yeah. ins- and instruction like uh, tendencies here, and since we are focusing on copyright, copyright. this season, um, how much of an impact would you say copyright has on the material you are willing to share in your classes? Well, most images of ancient art are public domain, right? So like there, you can get almost any. 
high-res image off the museum database and they're free for downloading. Some places charge, some, some places charge for download, but most places don't. Um, the Met has a huge database of images that are downloadable and free, same with the British Museum, same with the Louvre. Um, so imagery is not hard. Um, <clears throat> even published academic work is not difficult because it's because we the students have access through JSTOR. Anything I assign, they can download uh, for free. So I don't run into it there. Occasionally, I have to be one needs to be careful if I if I scan chapters of books, right, to not supersede the limit. But generally, it doesn't affect me that much, which maybe isn't what you want to hear. Um, but <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, because it, it shows like you know copyright, like. I think it's, like, very – that's why we're so excited to have yeah. you here because I think people tend to think of it just specifically with certain, like, mediums, like textual works and whatnot, but it expands beyond that, which is uh, something that you might uh, come across. Right, more. right. So I haven't had tons of problems. I haven't had a lot of problems with it. it it's not been limiting. Bumping up against copyright laws has not been limiting uh, to me. It's easy to work within the the bounds of it. What's applicable? What's allowable? Permissible? Permissible. That's the word. <laughs> permissible is the word. Use your words. Use your words. Words are hard. <laughs> They're are. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like all we talk about is like, or we have discussed how hard words and reading has been and whatnot between the two of yeah. us on this podcast, which is maybe not something everyone wants to hear coming from people who work in the library. Mm-hmm. But what, yeah, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Putting a sentence together is hard. It is hard. Yeah. <laughs> which is why a lot of students are shockingly turning to chat GPT, which is uh, the devil. I've, I've said it's the devil. People will disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jen, have you ever had to obtain permission from the copyright holder to use an item in your instruction? Uh, not in my instruction, but mm-hmm. in my dissertation. Yeah. Yeah, you're just writing for permission to reproduce an image. Um, usually it's just written. There's no there's no payment. If it's a, um, a work that's really purely for academic purposes um, and you're not selling it, uh, things... The procedure is pretty straightforward and easy. So I've had to, like, for instance, when I was when I uh, wrote my dissertation, I had to get images of an unpublished vase that was in um, what museum was it? Was it was some museum in Hungary or maybe a museum in the Czech Republic? Anyway, it was <laughs> it was an unpublished vase. And uh, I had to get a per- permission to include it. And I guess that wasn't so much copyright because, because I don't know, would that have been copyright? Just a permission to up to reproduce yeah. an image? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I got, they gave, they not only gave me permission, but they furnished the images, which was really nice mm-hmm. for free because it was a dissertation. Okay. If it was a book, like yeah. if it was a published book, I would have had to have, paid you know the publisher or you know that would have been an expense but for for this for for research for for a dissertation it was free okay yeah so would you say like um that there's like 
it, it might be like, I don't know if you know if there you've noticed like an obvious difference or would you say it's easier to obtain like or use copyrighted material for uh, like classroom instruction versus say your own personal use and research? Um, I haven't noticed much of a difference. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you do work in, like, education and yeah, academia anyway, yeah. so it might just be easier to work with. There is a lot of leeway for classroom instruction. In fact, all of those databases that I mentioned, those museum databases specifically say, may be used only for inst- classroom instruction, illustrating a lecture, but, you know, if you're putting it in a book that will be sold then you're looking at different set of um, whatever, you know. What am I, what's the word I'm looking for? A different, a different set of rules? Rules, maybe? Rules is simple enough. <laughs> Permissible rules. Yes. <laughs> Permissible rules. There's a lot of flexibility for classroom instruction and illustrated lectures in an academic context, right? So, yeah. and I've never had to write an entity to get an image or permission for classroom instruction. That stuff's all easily obtained from, you know, the interweb, the worldwide interweb. Yeah, based on the principles of fair use, which we started Mm -hmm. to discuss last episode, and we'll get more into as the season progresses. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, that's coming up. (laughs) And... From your experience, what possible repercussions can copyright violations have on an academic institution and instructors in our history? Well, if you if you are scanning an entire book yeah. and emailing a PDF to your students under under the table <laughs> and publishers get wind of it, that's no good. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you'll get in trouble. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, specifically that's specifically the uh, um, the thing that I think publishers keep an eye on is that type of uh, yeah sort of down torrenting books and uh, downloading material that way and, and printing it and sending it under the table to students. I don't know what's going to happen. I know I can just imagine something would happen. I imagine there would be blowback. A general institutional blow, blowback, but I don't know. I've never that's never happened to me. Thankfully, do you know of anything? Anyone? That's no, not no, not. I don't want to know. Nope, don't know. Nothing. 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 Very hypothetical. Very hypothetical. No, of course no, not. not. No. Why are you asking me this question? Moving on. We're moving the library. on. I mean, uh, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Next question. So, uh, so Jen, <laughs> um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, I. Uh, we can't see the future here, but mm. do you like foresee as we like since we live in like you know, or we have been living in an information age and in a digital sphere, yes. which is only kind of, uh, you know, getting more and more geared towards you know more advanced technology. You mentioned ChatGPT earlier, and that's also could be a different conversation. But you know, I, I we are wondering if like, do you foresee any potential obstacles or changes? in the way that you encounter copyright law uh, through your way of teaching or even in the field of art history in general? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. That's such a, like a, that's a question that's so above my pay grade. I mean, I just, 
I, cause, because I have so little to do with, gen, you know, copyright infringement and copyright laws um, just don't affect I don't antiquities as much, I think, because so much of the material is public domain. Mm -hmm. If I was teaching more of the contemporary art fields where there's all these questions about, like, what constitutes art with, um, you know, those non-fungible token born digital weird things, which I don't even understand, (laughs) um, you just... I could see that that is so evolving that um, and cultural property law and copyright and intellectual property law is really dealing with with that with that aspect of of art more than it is antiquities, which I said is just like this is stuff that's been for the most part published and documented for over a hundred years, right? So it's mostly public domain. So I don't have, I don't come into contact with that issue so much. Um, where, where I would, if, if they started to really become draconian in how much you could share with students in terms of Xeroxing, you know, xeroxing, mm-hmm. <laughs> mimeographing. Remember that word? <laughs> My, what's it, micro, uh, what's it? Microfilm? Micro, Mi- microfilm. Microfiche. Yeah. Microfiche. 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 <laughs> I could see if suddenly there was a clamp down on how much you could share by scanning chapters. That could become problematic because art history textbooks are really expensive. And I try to be mindful of my students when I ask them to buy a book, mm-hmm. you know, that it's really the entire book is going to be useful. Uh, and the way so much art history is written now is it's mostly case study, right? So that you can excerpt a chapter and just kind of read a chapter as a standalone case study. And so there's not necessarily a need to buy an entire textbook. Um, and I think at this point we're we're allowed a certain amount of pages to share before you bump up against copyright laws. But if that were to change, that could be a problem. I see. How's that? That was, yeah, a, great. That was great. Was that good? Yeah. Yeah. That was so good. Like you you like read into the future because that was my next question. No. Like <laughs> like no. what can you do to make materials more accessible to students aside from that? And you just answered it. Yeah. Well, I try. Yeah. Do they actually read what I send them? No, they don't. Some do. (laughs) Maybe I'll cut that too. Amber and I. Amber and I. (laughs) I am Amber. Oh, Amber. Amber is referring to herself in the third person person. now. Which means she's totally off the deep end. This podcast is getting to her head. (laughs) (laughs) Darling. Um... Well, then I guess on that note, I mean, is there anything else you would like to share or add with us today? And at this point, we can expand beyond, um, you know, having anything to do with copyright or art history or teaching. Um, Anything you'd like to share with us more today and totally fine if the answer is no, since Mm -hmm. you've already given us more than enough of your knowledge. I don't I don't I don't I don't know. What do you want to know? What do you, what other questions off brand do you have? Why do you are want you to talk so about? cool? <laughs> That's what I want to know. 
It's all the soup. It's the soup. Oh, it's the gazpacho I make, which I brought today. I knew it. That that's kind of where it's I was the weather this for it. It's, it's Jen nice. makes a great gazpacho. But uh, Hannah, I need to give you some to taste. Oh, You're kind right. to to say that. I assume she does. <laughs> Because it's talked about often, so yeah. kind of embarrassing. If it wasn't we talk good. about it all the time. <laughs> Hannah and I talk like, about it's super awkward if it was just Hannah, ketchup. Hannah <laughs> said to me once, "I feel like you like a soup lunch," and I said, "You're right. I do like a soup lunch." I think I was there for that conversation. I think you were. I think Sometimes, you were. That's when you were sitting upstairs. Yeah. Sometimes the wisest conversations just uh, only need the simplest uh, words. That's true. We're, words, especially again. since words are hard. But, but Amber. In answer to your question, yes. why am I so cool? Yes. I just don't know. I mean, the That's planets. That's the best answer. The planets aligned. You're so kind. <laughs> I'm actually not. I'm actually a huge dork. But that's, that's cool. good. That's we something like that cool that. people yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we we appreciate the well, honesty. We, and we do. And you know it's something else uh, really cool about you, Jen. What's that, that, Hannah? You, you brought with us today a great public domain song of the week. Uh <laughs> Yes. What do we have? What do we have here today? Well, today I thought um, we could. The outro could be uh, putting on the Ritz. Mm. Oh, something, um, something like this. Something like because we're all classy. Oh. We're ritzy. Yes. Written by Mr. Irving Berlin. Um, the original was a seventy-eight RPM. For those of, for those younglings who don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. Um, it's pre-Spotify vinyl, uh, recorded by Leo Reisman and his orchestra the, with Lou Conrad slapping down some vocals in New York City on January 20th, 1930. Um, it's, several artists have covered this song because it's a classic, it's part of the American songbook, but most people recently might remember its uh, star turn in... Young Frankenstein with, uh, uh, who was the actor? Peter Boyle playing Frankenstein. He was put on stage dressed in a top hat as Frankenstein and forced to perform this song. And hilarious. So I think everyone should, you know, search for that movie, search for that clip on the YouTube where I believe there will not be copyright infringement. And uh, so, yeah. Good, good choice, right? Putting on the Ritz. Oh, my God. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> We'd like to once again thank Jennifer for joining us here on Loud Librarians. Yay, Loud Librarians. Yay. Tune in next week and follow us at Loud Librarians Pod on the gram. See you later. Bye. 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 If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where Harlem